Where do you come from? Classified, really? Me too. Big secret. Nima outpost is that way. Stay off Kelvin Ridge. Keep away from the sinking fields in the north. You'll drown in the sand. Don't follow me. Town is that way. No! In the morning you go. You're welcome. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 360. There has been an awakening. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Kylo Ren and Captain Phasma, to my General Hux, we have Carl Leclerc and Katie Horn. I call, Why, hello. I call Brienne of Tarth. No, I want to be Phasma. <laughs> Actually, wait, no, if you're Phasma, that means I can, like, stare at you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if I'm Kylo, that means I can, like, break stuff, and I can, like, be mean to Jason, and it's totally acceptable. Oh, <laughs> I, I raise you that challenge. Be as mean as possible to Jason for the next hour and a half. <laughs> I would just love to see that. I mean, I love you, Jason, but I just feel like that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I don't think Katie's got By it in her. Way, you are all going to bow down to the First Order! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know, last week was the first time I feel like since we, the three of us, have recorded. I, I'm sure this has happened to Jason and I before in the past. But the first time with the three of us where we actually had technical issues to the extent that we could not record. Um, yeah. Skype yeah. just decided to be a total butthead last week. So. <laughs> Um, no rhyme or reason or explanation for what was going on. Yeah, and I was just like over here crying. I'm like, my beloved isn't here. My beloved <laughs> fixes all computer things all the time. I'm hopeless. <laughs> so luckily, I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, like, I, I don't know how my beloved would manage to fix me just like stabbing my computer with a lightsaber. You know, as Kylo Ren is wont to do. Uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> what girl? Uh, yes. <laughs> so the one that stabbed the computer. That girl. Uh, <laughs> so we are going to be uh, back to our, our journey to the rise of Skywalker, which is now just a few weeks away. Um, and we are going to hit on Force Awakens in this episode, which I am super excited to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Carl. You, you said something there I don't believe. You what? said that the rise of Skywalker is only a few weeks away. That's accurate. Impossible. Yeah, yeah. that's impossible. Impossible. That, that, well, look at your calendar, fool. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely I crazy. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Well, I oh. hope you have tickets because otherwise you're going to miss it. Well, <laughs> I do have tickets. But yeah, no, it's like crazy. I'm still, oh, yeah. still in shock. Yes. Um, well, before before we get into our discussion about Force Awakens and and it's this next chapter of our our um, Skywalker saga now that we've finished both the prequel and original era, um, we do have a really nice uh, iTunes review I I want to read, um, and this comes from Ethan Mizzy. Uh, I don't know if I said the last part right. Um, but, but Ethan says I started listening to the Wampus Lair about six months ago, and I've been hooked ever since. Carl, Katie, and Jason have become part of my weekly routine, and I love all the interesting and unique commentary they give. 
absolutely give them a listen. You won't be disappointed. If you guys are reading, we are, then thank you so much for all you do. I love this show. So thank you so much, Ethan. We love that you listen and that you enjoy it so much. Yes, thank you. That's yeah. that's great. I'm I'm glad we we've made it into your weekly routine. And it's nice to know that people are still discovering us. You know, no. it's 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 funny because there's so many people that we've, you know, in our community that we've had and interacted with for so long that it's just one of those things where I'm always like, is there anybody new? Anybody new out there? <laughs> <laughs> so whatever the new people show up, I'm always like, yay! So <laughs> So thank you so much, Ethan. It's like, do you think anybody's listening? I know there is. (laughs) Like a real point. Yes. Um, So, you know, and as always to all of you who've written reviews in iTunes, a huge thank you. Again, it helps helps really just make the show more visible. And if you love the show, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to write a review because, again, it just helps spread the – um, availability of the show to others who might be new to Star Wars podcasting. Um, and as we all know, there are so many amazing Star Wars podcasts out there these days. I mean, to be fair, when we started eight years ago, there wasn't a lot. I mean, there were quite, there were a few, but man, there are so many now and there's so many good ones. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, as always, just a huge thank you to all of you who choose to listen to us just geek out on Star Wars. It's such a such a nice feeling to know that people care to listen so thank you indubitably <laughs> um so we also had a matchup that katie gave us two weeks ago which was freaking awesome and yes. <laughs> uh we obviously didn't want to tackle it last week um w- without all of us being able to talk about this together so Katie gave us the matchup, a great droid showdown of K2SO versus IG-11, the new bounty hunter in Mandalorian. And um, you, Larians, had uh, quite a bit to weigh in on. And Jason, what did they have to say? Oh, well, ultimately, um, the the results were, were decently split, which is nice to see. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I was hoping we weren't going to have a blowout, and we did not. However, ultimately... Our Larians came down on the side of IG-11 with a total of 107 votes for IG-11 and 78 for K2SO. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, That's a lot of votes. Most oh, impressive. Yes. It is a lot of votes. I'm very, I'm very pleased and impressed that we got that many. So thank you, everyone, who weighed in. Um, we really appreciate that. But I'm very curious to know, Carl, Katie, uh, what are your thoughts? Who would you choose in this matchup? Uh, I'll take it first. I, I want to give it to IG-11 mm. just because I feel like IG-11 is more combat proficient and uh, and K2SU is going to be like the, uh, you know, the spy, the infiltrator, you know. So I guess this is contingent on IG-11 being able to find K2SO. K2SO just obviously just like walks away. It's <laughs> like, no, he just doesn't want to. It's like, I'm not here for this. I'm not about this. It just walks away. <laughs> Also, Jin hasn't given him a gun yet. She's like, how come, how come she gets a blaster and I don't? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. But uh, he was pretty good with it once he got one. So That's true. Yeah, that's true. What about you, yeah. Carl? Well, um, I mean, I got to agree with, with what most folks are saying because IG-11, you know. I'm on tonight and my hips don't lie and I'm starting to feel it's wrong. <laughs> His hips don't lie. So. Oh my god, girl, I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go with IG11 because those hips don't lie. So. That's accurate. That's accurate. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, and kind of like what a lot of folks have been saying, and what you just kind of reinforced too, Katie, is you know IG11 is a combat droid, specifically created to be a combat droid, um, and. This is also a bounty hunter, bounty hunting combat droid. So while K2SO is definitely great in a fight, I feel like IG-11 is just engineered to be more the murder machine than K2SO. So, um, yeah, got to go with got to go with IG-11. I think K2 puts up a good fight, but definitely IG-11. Um, what about you, Jason? I'm oh, sorry. I'm you- <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> no, don't be sorry. I think every time Jason tries to speak, we should just play that song because it's bully Jason hours. <laughs> William with something oh, so fun. No. Oh, no. <laughs> um, well, what I was going to say is I agree with two of you. Um, I, I'm going to go with IG-11 on this one. Uh, I, I do think K2SO is, a, is good in a fight, although I think he's a bit more all-purpose uh, than IG-11. And when it comes to combat, I think IG-11's got a bit more up his sleeve or not necessarily sleeves but you know he does have that thermal detonator so that if k2so does start getting the upper hand all he's going to do is you know self-destruct and then where are we at you know two dead (laughs) droids in the middle of the battlefield so um yeah i i I think you know self-destructed you know sequence initiated and all that i think i think we're going to end up with ig11 winning by default because Mm. of kablooey um, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I ultimately, I, I do agree. K2SO puts up a good fight, but, um, IG, IG 11's got this one in my opinion. So that gives us a final tally of 110 for IG 11 and 78 for K2SO. I love it. Love it. Um, I love this matchup. I love it. I love yeah. just the whole no. thing. It's a fanfic I need to write, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. And it you know, Uh-oh. with that fanfic, Katie, there's no reason to think that they can't just end the battle by dancing, having a dance off. Yeah, having a dance off, making out, whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's all good. Where would IG11's lips be? Don't. <laughs> Life finds a way. It works. <laughs> it works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Life finds a way. Oh, oh boy. So, um,. You know, once Are again, we- we'll have a, a, a we have a really good matchup on brand for this episode tonight. So stick around for the end at the end of the show to hear our latest poll for for next week's show. Um, but uh, Force Awakens episode seven, we have now entered into the Disney era of Star Wars. The Lucasian era has come to an end, but the story lives on, my friends. Um. What are we thinking? What's going on? Why are we here? Oh. I don't mean that to sound like it, like that's philosophical. Really, yeah, yeah. Sound really <laughs> why depressing. are we here, man? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because freaking Poe Dameron is on screen. That's why. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah the, you know, so, <laughs> the reason Poe Dameron is the reason for uh, the yeah. season. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> one of the one of the themes that I feel like is very prevalent. In Force Awakens, and and to me, it's almost a theme that is obviously present within the story itself. But I almost feel like it does. This theme also breaks the third wall in some degree by really grappling with the legacy of what's come before. Right? Um, you know, so much of Force Awakens is dealing with this. You know, this legendary story that came before. And it fell apart. So what do we do now? Right. Um, and I feel like the in, in universe question is, is, you know, quite simply is where's Luke Skywalker and why isn't he here? <laughs> and we need him back. Right. right That's kind right. of what starts the story here, which in some ways makes a lot of sense. You know, the, the last story ended with, you know, the Skywalker line saving the day. And now, you know, part of the Skywalker line has gone missing. And that is the great quest of this film. Um, But also, I think, you know, the question to fandom in some ways that Force Awakens raises is what is the legacy of these characters? And, you know, what do we do with this inheritance in some way? You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is, you know, because it, it is a legacy. It's a legend. It's a it's a mythological, you know, Thing that's happened in not only in these characters past but in our past you know as as fans uh to a large degree and how do you live up to that how do you you know deal with that how do you try and surpass that do you even try you know or do you just move on um you know it, it's it's a big question and while I think The Force Awakens 
poses the question. I don't think it answers the question. Um, no. Right. Nor should it. It's the first chapter, right? Right. Exactly, yeah. Right. Um, I... You know, we've been saying this the whole time, but I'm so glad we decided to sit down and watch this as as a um, as, as a nine part story. You yeah. know, because you know, once again, <laughs> here we are, movie seven, and once again, I'm like, I feel like I'm actually seeing this movie because I'm not thinking about it as, oh, here's a new chapter in Star Wars. Here's just a new Star Wars thing. I'm seeing it as one story, and. And yeah, kind of the stuff that you guys were saying about, you know, how do we unpack our legacy? What do we do with it now? Um, you know, Ray lives in this world where that legacy is myth. Mm. You know, she she thinks about the Jedi and she thinks, you know, that's just playing pretend, you know? And her stepping into it and coming to know that it's real, it's real and it lives in her is huge <laughs> and and i really love that it's han solo you know we I, i've been on han solo watch ever since yes. episode four <laughs> han solo's the one who gets to tell her that it's all true all of it you know yeah. and he kind of ignites that spark in her you know it so many people i think they have a hard time you know coming into the sequels because they're like you know well they don't make me feel like i did when i was a kid and i'm like well yeah because you're not a a kid anymore you know you you'll never be a kid again and i'm sorry that's really sad but guess what guess what you do get to do instead you get to be the one who looks someone in the eye and tells them that magic is real you know han solo will never be a young man again (laughs) but he can look ray in the eye and tell her that magic is real and it's true all of it you know yeah it'll never be his story again But he still has that role to play in it, which I just, I don't know, I think is really cool and really important. Yeah. Yeah. We all, and we have so many pictures of Alden Ehrenreich on our phones. So, you know, we can just, (laughs) am I the only one? Um, (laughs) No, relatable. (laughs) That's a great point, Katie. Yeah. You know, um, that this is, this is the continuation of that story of, of reminding our, new heroes that myths are real and mm-hmm. we get to be part of them. Um, and yeah, no, I, I, I just, I love that point so much. And, and, you know, this, I plan to seed a lot of the conversation <laughs> in this episode. And obviously when we get to uh, last Jedi in, in the next couple of weeks to you, ultimately Katie, because the, the reason I love <laughs> doing this show with both of you is like Jason really is kind of the prequel not th- and not that neither of us aren't, but Jason's really like mm. the prequel guru. Katie, you're definitely the sequel guru of this lot, and <laughs> you know, n- and not that I don't like the other errors as well, but like I'm definitely more of the OT person of the group. So it's and I just like I love that like each of us kind of has like a mm. niche in a different era of Star Wars, um, um, and not mm. not while yeah. sliding I- any of the other eras, but right, uh, right. You know, like I just I feel like when we're going to start playing in the sequel sandbox, I feel like. You're going to be the authority on this one, Katie. So I'm 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 excited about that. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm so excited too because I had a galaxy brain moment when I was sitting down to watch this again, and I was like, "How did I not see this before?" You guys ready for my galaxy brain moment? Uh huh. Sure. Is Aaron yes. Hot. Uh, <laughs> it specifically came when Han Solo said, "There's always a way to blow these things up." You know, mm. big laugh line, right? Right. Uh-huh. You know, like, oh, here we go again. They built another Death Star. It's like, it's such a self-aware line. And I just went like, uh, again, like just galaxy brain. I was like, oh my God, we're stuck in a cycle. Mm. You know, I mean, they, they've been yeah. saying that for so long. It's so obvious, you know, that, that we are stuck in a cycle. But the bad guys always build something and then we blow it up. Jay is saved, everybody gets a medal, and it's happily ever after, right? Except not, you know? There's always a way to blow it up, but then we end up right back in the same place. They just build something else, and we blow it up. You know, nothing is ever reconciled, nothing is ever fixed. You know, we we all dance the yub-nub, but then 30 years later, we're right back in the same spot, and we can't think of anything else to do except blow it up, because there's always a way to blow it up, Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, so many people, myself included, gave this movie so much crap when it first came out because we were like, well, it's just a new hope all over again. They couldn't think of anything else to do except build a Death Star. Of course they could think of other things to do. You really think J.J. Abrams sat there and then all the reviews came out for this movie and he just went, oh my god, they're totally right. Mm. A third Death Star? <laughs> oh no, what was I thinking? Like, you really, really, really? You think, no, it was definitely, like, intentional to show that we are stuck in the same pattern that we've been stuck in for nine movies. There's always a trade federation ship for little orphan Annie to blow up. You know, there's always a Death Star one, a Death Star two. Oh, you really got you with really <laughs> little orphan Annie, didn't I? You did. <laughs> oh, you did. I just no. almost sent soda up my nose. Yeah. You were taking a drink when I said that. Yep. Jason, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, nope, you know it's I mean? fine. Like, there's always oh. a way to blow it up, you know? Right. And, you know, and then Poe Dameron will do that in the next movie, you know? Like, <laughs> like he's going to be all like, oh, then we blow it up, right? No. <laughs> just, yeah. You know, right. like, uh, how do we break out of this cycle? And, and I don't know. I started thinking about it and thinking about the six steps that came before this movie. And I just, it became clear to me that we need to listen to Padme, you know? We... <laughs> This war represents a failure to listen. Mm. We need to do something other than blow it up. We need to do something than try to kill evil. You know, there's there's a time to fight, obviously. But when we don't reconcile anything, when we don't open our arms, <laughs> you know, nothing gets healed and nothing moves forward. You know, to quote the Clone Wars animated series... The only uh, the only defeated enemy is an enemy turned into a friend. And I don't think it's about meeting halfway with evil. You know, people are all like, oh, I'm not going to negotiate with evil. And I'm like, well, that's that's not exactly it. It's about pacifying it, healing it. You know, where where would General Hux be if every single stormtrooper decided to lay down their their weapon? Right. Mm -hmm. He would have no army, you know. Yeah. And. So when we blew up that second Death Star, the first, the when we blew up the Trade Federation ship, you know, evil just went off and endured because we didn't do anything to to reconcile with it. Mm. I keep coming back to that word, reconcile. And I really feel like that that's where this is going because we keep showing over and over again that blowing up the Death Star does not work. And we have to break out of this cycle. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the, the question then is... Mm -hmm. Is this going to break us out of the cycle? Because the resistance and the first order aren't talking to each other. You yeah. know, it's like you know that the, the first order is is there because they want the power. They want to you know essentially resurrect the galactic empire under their version of it, uh, and the resistance was formed because of the threat of the first order to fight it. And right. that's it, you know? So it's like, is there something dramatic going to happen in 9 to change this? Um, are we going to find a way to f finally pacify the the foundation and the, the roots of the galaxy, you know, from this evil? Uh, you know, mm. to purify the galaxy of this evil, you know, at the end of 9? Is that going to happen? You know, I I don't know. You know what I think and, the answer is? Oh, sorry. Hmm. It seems like you were building something. I'm sorry. So all this kind of builds to uh, to something I I had that I wanted that I wrote down that uh, goes back to a line at the very beginning of the movie, and you know I, I wonder how this line applies to what's going on now because Laura Santeca tells us without the Jedi there could be no balance in the Force. I mean. I'm wondering, is that true? Is And if it is, what does it mean for the galaxy? Was Luke wrong in Last Jedi? I know we're not there yet um, in this, this journey, but, you know, it, there are no Jedi right now. Mm. Um, would we have gotten to this point if the Jedi had been a you know, force between Episodes 6 and 7? Would the First Order have risen to this degree at this point if they had been jedi i don't know but 
he, Laura Santeca, seems to believe that balance in the Force has been thrown out of whack right now because there are no Jedi, you know, and and to 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 keep the peace, so to speak. And I, I'm wondering what you guys think about that because the Jedi have been such an integral part of. You know, the the prequel trilogy, obviously, you know, because they were everywhere, uh, they were such a central part of the original trilogy because we're trying to, you know, bring them back and train Luke as a new generation of Jedi. And then we get to The Force Awakens and they're all but gone again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, yeah. what do we think? And we, we we've, we've speculated on previous episodes, you know. Do we need the Jedi? They're sort of expanding the idea of who the Force can use, um, and are we going to get some sort of new Jedi or pseudo Jedi thing? Are we changing what the Jedi are? I don't know. You know. So, what do you guys think? I feel like this is a central, a central yeah. thing. Yeah. No, that's. I was thinking about that a lot while I was rewatching it tonight, um, specifically with Laura Santeca, and I do think that the Jedi. I mean, and this is something, right? Like, this is something that uh, raised a lot of conversation when The Last Jedi's trailer initially came out, you know, at that celebration a couple of years ago with the ending with Luke saying, you know, it's time for the Jedi to end. People were like, well, can you have Star Wars without Jedi? And, you know, it started this huge debate. Um, and I think the Jedi are so freaking important um, because of what they represent. So I think what Laura Santeca is getting at there is that the Jedi are this symbol of hope in the galaxy, right? It's something that Snoke says to Kylo in episode eight. It's something that, you know, Yoda says in one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes when he's in the gathering, when he says, you know, the, the force made visible Jedi is. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the, it's the reason that it was so important for Palpatine to corrupt Anakin in the prequels is because you need to take this tremendous symbol of hope that the Jedi, in, in Anakin's case, the chosen Jedi, represent and, and pervert that, which is what Palpatine did. And what Luke ultimately did in the original story is kind of redeem the importance of the Jedi. So, yeah, with this story starting with the absence of Jedi... I think that's an important quest is reclaiming the presence of Jedi in this galaxy again. Now, to kind of go with what you've been talking about, Katie, is breaking the cycle of maybe what that looks like. So do we still need Jedi? Hell yeah. But what does that look like? I think is the question that the sequels now have to answer. And I know that's Mm -hmm. something you've brought up all through these conversations the past few months, Katie, is this conversation of what does it really mean to be a Jedi? Um, And that's something we've looked at, looking at each of these movies. And, you know, what's really neat with what now here in Force Awakens, the Jedi represents something that that implies balance in the galaxy. And it also Mm -hmm. represents some sort of mythological heroes, you know, in the eyes of someone like Rey. So what does it really mean to be a Jedi? And how do we get that back? And right now, you know, Force Awakens in a lot of ways, like, and I really love that you brought this up, Katie, is it's, um, it is really kind of looking at what happens when we just get stuck in a cycle. So, right, the Starkiller base represents being stuck in a cycle. This, this ongoing battle of resistance versus First Order is, is part of that cycle. Um, and part of that cycle as well is the Jedi, and what does it mean to be a Jedi? And what does it mean to have a Jedi order? Um, and I think that, you know, at the beginning of this movie, I mean, literally we get it in the title crawl is, you know, everybody's looking for Luke, the last Jedi. He's the, he's this, the, he's what we need. But do we want to repeat the cycle of, well, we got to go back and get that old Luke Skywalker and right, like we're going to obviously here in the next movie, you know, have him face down mm-hmm. the whole first order. So even the mindset in some ways here isn't quite right yet, right? Like, so what right, does it mean right. to be a Jedi? Well, it's something, this is why Ray shows up. Because I think Ray's going to be the, the one who can redefine that for us. In the same way that Luke did in the originals, right? Luke redefined what it meant to be a Jedi when he threw that lightsaber away in the throne room and, and says, I am a Jedi. Yes, he is because he chooses nonviolence. And... um 
in some ways, that decision of nonviolence also got them into an interesting spot. And, and this is not like trying to say we need violence because, of course, we don't. Um, but, you know, the decisions Luke is, is, has made that result in what's going on in Force Awakens were not the right choices. Um, mm. So how mm. do we get out of that cycle of thinking, well, we need the old hero to come save the day again? No, we need a new hero. And that's what Ray right. is, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, here we go. Um, <laughs> this, uh, I've got another line for you. Every single one of my points that I have here is connected to a line from from this movie. Um, and I'm, I'm jumping forward in the movie because this line is perfect for the conversation we're having. The belonging you seek mm-hmm. is not behind you. It is ahead. Right. Maz Kanata. Thank you very much. Everyone's looking back. We got Leia still around. Han's back in the picture. We're trying to find Luke. Ray is trying to find belonging with all of these things. You know, um, you know, it, it, on a personal level, she's trying to find a belonging with, with something here, looking back towards them, these people. But, and I think this is a, this is a line that not only works for the characters in the movie, but it works, you know, taking it as the, the macro fourth wall breaking thing again, mm-hmm. works for us as fans. You know, the belonging you seek is not behind you, it is ahead. That, that we are having to realign ourselves with these new characters. With mm. Ray and Finn and Poe, um, you know Kylo and all these these things, we we have to realign all of this, and and these are the ones who are going to take this story forward. These are the ones who this story should and is about, should be and is about. So you know that this is this is a big deal because we're still looking back, and that's part of this cycle again. Katie, you're bringing this all together with that <laughs> galaxy brain thing. Everything is connecting now. <laughs> Um, you know, (laughs) we're still looking back because that was, that's what keeps us in this cycle. You know, we, we talk about saving the future, but we're saving it by looking back at the old stuff. Yeah. It goes back to Shmi Skywalker. You know, it's time for you to let go. Yes. You know? Yeah. And even Yoda, you know, let go of all you fear to lose. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Or like, you, that moment when Obi-Wan wants to look into the security crime hologram, right? If into the hologram you seek, only pain will you find. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's really fascinating that you're really just tying all of our points together with this one overarching thing, Katie. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. It's oh, thank brilliant. you. Yeah. Thank oh, you. I oh. am brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So can I can I run with that a little bit further with a specific character? Um mm-hmm. who isn't who is an OG character here? And Katie, you Is it is it your boy? It's it's our boy, Mr. Solo. Yes. <laughs> Han. Did you just, did you just call me Solo? <laughs> Sorry, Han, Mr. Solo. Um, Mr. Solo, <laughs> Mr. Solo sir. <laughs> um, but no, that's so perfect because even right, even Han and Leia both in a way, they go back to the only thing they were ever any good at, right? Right. Um, right. They lose their son. And so Han writes him off, right? Like we get that. That's a, I mean, that's a powerful moment. Han – and when I say he writes him off, I don't mean that to sound so belligerent. But he kind of has. I mean, there's too much Vader in him. Like Han is just mm-hmm. like – our son's gone. Like, and I'm, uh, he's trying to believe that. Whereas Leia's like, no, he's not like, we can still save him. But, but this reality of going back to the only thing they ever knew, right? When, when we go back to old ways of being, that's never a great thing for us. Right. right because, right. because that just still, that's reversion. Um, and life is about growth and growth is a lot of times a painful, uncomfortable process. And the thing is, is like Han has decided to go back to his old, you know, order Miranda or Otis Miranda, whatever the heck that Latin term is. Modus operandi. Thank you. Yes. Good Lord. I am butchering it. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, so Han goes back to this, his old smuggler ways, which is also interesting because he seems to suck at it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like if, if, if we learned anything of... Go was ahead. he ever great at it? <laughs> fair <laughs> question. Yeah, that's a fair question. I, although, hey, even I get boarded sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> McClunky. Um, so, 
Um, but, but, um, yeah, no, like, right. Han goes back to this, this old way of being basically right. And, and it makes sense in light of trauma. Sometimes it's just customary to try to go back to something that's comforting. Right. And I think again, like to even look outside of, you know, kind of looking at what force awakens is offering fandom by, by coming back as a story is right. Like, for so many fans, myself included, so I can at least talk from my own experience, part of the, the, the thing we love about Star Wars is that it is something comforting, right? It's something that we can fall back into because it gives us that nostalgia rush, which I, I think is a very valid and important thing of Star Wars. However, it can't be everything, right? If, right. if that's the only thing it provides, it doesn't allow us to grow. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that for Han, um, going back to those old ways, they just aren't good for him. And what we ultimately get with Han at the end of the film, and obviously we're jumping all over at this point, but you've, you know, you've all seen this. You've all seen this movie. It's fine. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> um, but right, what we get with Han at the end of the movie, though, is kind of the the final act of his arc, which mm-hmm. is right. And obviously they. I mean, tons of people have talked about this, so this is not an original thought to myself, but have talked about, you know, the way Solo ends with his showdown with Beckett and choosing to shoot first. And then this showdown with his son on Starkiller Base, where he chooses to keep the gun in the holster and reaches out in this state of vulnerability and offering his son love. Um, And Han is cut down in that vulnerability. Right. Um, but it kind of brings this perfect arc is, you know, this is this is the fullness of who Han is. This is what Han needed to do probably a long time ago and failed to do, which is simply just reach out to your son and say, we miss you. Come back, you know, mm. and Han finally is able to do that here. And sadly, Kylo is is fighting against it, doesn't want to accept the light. So cuts him down. But for Han, it's kind of the perfect end to his arc. Um, you know, it's a character whose arc begins, obviously, in specifically in Solo, as someone who's trying to find belonging and survive. And now we have someone who's ultimately just fully giving himself away. Um, and it costs him everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it Han was, you know, started... Being he taught, was being don't, Han don't, about it, Katie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he, you know, started in Solo as, you know, being taught not to tr- trust anyone or anything. What's he doing at the end? He's learned to trust. And he's offering that trust to one of the per- people most important to him in this world. That's his son. Who, by the way, is also looking behind you know true. yeah true he's he's looking back at granddad you know oh. but not not anakin skywalker he's looking back at darth vader and you know trying to to you know figure out what he's supposed to be based on that which is a little unnerving and disturbing um but you know it's it's a lot of people in this movie are looking back. Yeah. You bring up this idea of trying to figure out what you're supposed to be. And I think, yeah, that's definitely, that's it. You know, it's, um, this movie is three young people trying to figure out what they're supposed to be, namely Kylo Ray and Finn. Um, I think those are our three main characters of this movie because there are three protagonists who are introduced to us um, wearing masks. You know, they introduce this idea of there is what they're supposed to be, and then there's what they are underneath. You know, um, Kylo has this mask, and and um, you know, so does Ray. Ray begins the movie wearing that, you know, her goggles and the entire head wrap, you know, covering her face. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Finn obviously begins the uh, movie wearing his stormtrooper mask. And how they reveal themselves to us, I think, is significant. Um, you know, Kylo removes his mask in a mo- in moments of vulnerability. You know, when he wants to connect with Ray, he removes the mask. Um, when he when his father, you know, confronts him, you know, take off that mask. You don't need it. You know, he, he takes it off and then he's strikingly vulnerable underneath. You know, I want to be free of this pain. 
um, Ray removes her mask as a matter of practicality. You know, she she wears it as a matter of practicality. You know, to, to shield her eyes and her face from the sand and the sun, and then she removes it to you know to take a drink of water. You know, she's dying of thirst. Gosh, you know the way we watch her drink that water. <laughs> There's like three drops left in her canteen. You know, yeah. oh, it's heartbreaking. And then Finn removes his mask in a moment of privacy and panic, honestly. You know, he's yeah. kind of losing it a bit. And so he goes off to where he doesn't think anybody can see him and takes off his his, uh, his helmet. So there's what these three characters have to be, you know? Um, you know, a Skywalker, a scavenger, a stormtrooper, you know? And I think their journey is learning to reconcile what we are with who we choose to be. Because we're both these things, you know, we are the circumstances that we're born into. And then there's our own choices within that context. You know, Kylo will always be a Skywalker, always. But then how does he reconcile that with who he chooses to be? Ray will always be that little girl who was abandoned, you know, that scavenger, that person who struggled to survive. But what does she do? You know, how does she make her own choices? And then uh, Finn, too. Uh, when Ray, you know, finally learns the truth about what he is, he says, I'm not resistance. I'm a stormtrooper, but I made a choice that I'm not going to kill for them. And he, you know, and he tells her that, you know, when we first met, you looked at me the way no one ever had, you know, uh, I was ashamed of what I was. So he will always be that little boy that was given to the first order and raised to be a stormtrooper and taught to do one thing, kill. Right. Mm-hmm. But now he's making his own choices. And I think, honestly, you know, we were talking about, like, how do we heal this wound? How do we stop, you know, the First Order from just festering? You know, we, we blow up their Death Star again, right? And they go off and hide in the fringes, and 30 years later, they come back with another Death Star, right? How do we stop them from doing that? Honestly, I think it's Finn. Finn is our bridge between Resistance and Stormtrooper, you know, because he's been both. He chooses to be resistance. And I think he's the one who's going to be all like brothers and sisters, stop fighting all of you. You know, how can he shoot a stormtrooper in the face knowing that that could have been him? Right. Yeah. And so I think that's how you reconcile like who, who you are versus what you are. He was ashamed of what he was right with who he chooses to be. You know, he can't hate what he was born into he needs to heal it and accept it and get them to lay down their weapons and then in turn he needs to get the first order the the resistance to stop shooting them you Mm -hmm. know yeah like it's um and then it's the same with like kylo yeah how does he reconcile you know you are heir apparent to darth vader how does he reconcile that with who he wants to be you know yeah yeah that's a great point Thank you. Yeah. Um, boy, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, <laughs> I'm hitting you with the, with the heavy bricks today. <laughs> I mean, I, it, I expect nothing less when we do these episodes. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I think I have some good points and then I come to the episode and everyone's like, but wait, there's this yeah. too. And I'm like, Oh, there's so much more. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, that's good. I that's an interesting thought about Finn. Yeah, I love it. Being this bridge, I you know, I like that thought. I yeah. like it a lot. And I, I well, it, based on on you know what we get from Last Jedi and and you know kind of the the feeling I'm getting you know from the trailers going into Rise of Skywalker, he might just be able to pull something off. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Using his words. Words. Yeah. This war represents a failure to listen. <laughs> listen to Padme, you all. <laughs> and, no, and, and you know, I, that moment you quoted, Katie, you know, where he's confessing his truth to, to Ray about, you know, I'm not resistance. Um, you know, I'm a stormtrooper. Like all of them, I was taken from a family I'd never knew. Um, that line itself, like, gives Finn a level of empathy for mm-hmm. the people across the aisle, right? right, right. Um, that those those faceless enemies 
he understands where they came from in a way that probably nobody in the resistance does or even wants to because to them it's just right. the faceless enemy but finn knows people under that under those masks right and even in that silly deleted scene from last jedi that obviously was cut from the movie but that scene where he's on the uh you know, elevator with some troopers and they recognize him and they're like, Oh, yeah. Finn, they, congrats on your promotion. Right. Like they're, they're <laughs> celebrating that for him. Um, so good. yeah, it's this great little moment and, and it does like it, it showcases really that Finn, Finn has something that others in the resistance don't have. And that's why he's so damn integral to their movement is because he understands where they came from. Actually, you know what that just made me think of is, is that great moment in, uh, the second chapter of Mandalorian, when Quill says about the Jawas, they they steal, they don't destroy, right? Like the Mandalorian is all pissed off that they ransacked his ship, but Quill understands the Jawas in a way that the Mandalorian doesn't mm-hmm. want to, right? He has mm-hmm. this level of empathy and compassion for them that the Mandalorian is missing out on. In the same way, Finn has an understanding and empathy for these stormtroopers that the Resistance oh, yeah. doesn't. Well, it's like that moment at the very beginning when I think it's, um, is it nines or something like that? Uh, the, the stormtrooper that dies and then smears Finn's helmet with blood. Uh, they gave him a name in the, in the, um, the force awakens novel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, it might've yeah. been nines. I don't recall. It's been a yeah. while since I've read that. Yeah. It was, it was something to that effect, but that empathy that Finn has, you know, when he sees the horror of war going on around him and then his helmet is smeared with blood, you know, he sees the real human cost of this war, you know, and then uh, we'll, we'll get there when we talk about last Jedi. So I guess I'll save that. He understands the machine. It's all the machine. Right. And why, why are we all killing each other? Who benefits, you know, from all of us killing each other? It's so funny you say he understands the real human cost of war mm-hmm. when it's a faceless stormtrooper reaching out to a faceless stormtrooper. Right, right. You know? Yeah. That's, there, an, inter- there, that's an interesting yeah. picture. Yeah. Because yeah. they're people. They're people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I, – I mean I, I, th- I think a theme that has been really consistent for all of us as we've, as we've done this series is, is that importance – towards compassion, which is, of course, the root of why George wanted to tell the story. You know, it, it, it was pretty simple. Uh, so you might say that we are encouraged to love. Oh, Carl, I'm crying. <laughs> well, that's like that. You know, we're talking about Han Solo's death and his death, I think, is the ultimate sign of compassion because mm. his son runs him through and Han Solo just like touches his face as if to say, I still love you. Yeah. You know, Com- unconditional love. I still love you. Like, ah, uh, my heart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And it, it's, oh man. I, can I, can I take us away from this general theme and, and yeah. focus in on a, another character for a minute? Of course. Yeah. Because I think, I think this character's story is really, one of the more interesting things going on um, in in the sequel trilogy leading up to the rise of Skywalker, and it really kind of starts with with, with this: um, Kylo and Han have their confrontation out mm-hmm. on the catwalk. Mm-hmm. Ben, as Kylo Ren with his helmet off, yells to Han. I destroyed him. I destroyed Ben. And Han says, that's not true. That's what Snoke wants you to believe. Mm. And I'm wondering how much of what Kylo is doing is based on the very deliberate fact that he is determined to keep Ben dead. Mm. Um, okay. Every, like motivation, like things that that are going on. You know, when he has to make the big decisions um, against, you know, like his father against the resistance, um, and those big choices where he steps away from the light. I'm really wondering how much of that is a conscious choice on his, you know, part to say, well, going that way is what Ben would do. 
I'm not Ben. I'm Kylo Ren. So I'm going to do the opposite. Hmm. Okay. I'm really wondering because you know he 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 says that he's that this is these are two different people that Kylo and Ben are two different people. Um, Han doesn't seem to believe it. Leia doesn't believe it. Ray um, after Last Jedi might be a bit you know may or may not believe it, um, but he seems to to have this idea that Kylo and Ben are two different people. And I'm really not sure how strong of an idea that is in him, and if it's some or if it's just something he's trying to make a difference. Um, and it's just a very interesting thing because I, I really think ultimately what's going to happen, you know, the, his ultimate fate in Rise of Skywalker is going to come down as to whether or not Kylo or Ben are calling the shots. Mm. Yeah, and okay, and. He seems to have this moment of Ben there with his father as he's beginning to hand the lightsaber over. Then as the you know the sun goes out and the darkness takes hold, Kylo reasserts himself. Um, and that's when he slays Han. Uh, and and he you know talks to Vader's mask about the call to the light and how he's trying to resist it. Um you know, but he says that in the mask as Kylo Ren, almost as if this Ben guy is still in the back of his head somewhere. So, I, I don't know. I'm I'm just really curious to see you know where this lies and what you guys think about about the Kylo Ben dynamic because it's it's it seems like it's really going to his fate is going to come down as to who's call, calling the shots in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, unfortunately, we just we just lost Katie to a lightning storm. Um, not literally; she's she's still with us in human form. Yes. Um, that was yeah, she, she's, she did not become one with the force. <laughs> yes, uh, um, but Katie uh, just completely lost all of her electricity. Uh, lightning storm is rolling through where she is. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah. we are going to have to finish this episode without Katie, which. Honestly, you know, we're pretty much we kind of got to all the po- the major points we want to talk about anyway. Um, so I think we're just going to, you know, kind of bring this discussion to a close. Um, and, you know, it, any anything that we didn't really quite get to here with Force Awakens, we'll bring up when we talk Last Jedi, because the movies are kind of so intertwined anyways. Exactly. Um, that will we were already kind of crossing over a bit anyways with this one. So I'm right. sure we'll have some of that happening right next time too so yeah so um and we're gonna get to last jedi in two weeks anyway because we want to get to it before rise of skywalker which like i said is like four weeks away crazy that's nuts. <laughs> um but the, the the will the last point i will make though which is just worth noting in so far as where our sto- our skywalker story has gone to now is right obviously the movie ends with our new hero face to face with our mythical legend hero and right, so it is, it, and literally ends on a cliffhanger. Um, you know, <laughs> right. so this this the movie does wrap up quite wonderfully as we start this new chapter, and we've we've looked at you know, geez, everything went wrong. Um, and you know, a point we did not discuss earlier, which maybe just to, just to at least highlight, because I think it's an important part of this story, is you know that moment when Han's talking to Ray and Finn and the Falcon, and Ray's asking, you know, well, why did Luke leave? Well. You know, he gives us the history of of what happened, and obviously, we're going to really flesh that out in the next movie. But Han makes it pretty clear Luke was doing what he thought he was supposed to by bringing about a new Jedi Order, and it got disrupted by an apprentice. Again, interesting that Han doesn't point out who the apprentice is, which makes sense. He's why would he tell Ray that that you know the full truth of that? Um, right. But right, so. Something fell apart and Luke feels guilty, right? Luke felt responsible, so he just walked away from it all. So the move, you know, this part of the story ends with this new character that the Force has chosen, right? Obviously, that iconic moment of the lightsaber flying past Kylo into Rey's hand is the moment yeah. really where the Force chooses Rey. That legacy saber, you know, that Excalibur is pulled from the rock and chooses Rey. So the Force is now residing in Rey in a way that it used to with Anakin and Luke. She is the new chosen one. Um, you know, and, and we can unpack more of what that looks like when we get to Last Jedi. But, 
right? So it's it. The story ends with our new hero going to the old one, and it ends with this tremendous sense of hope. Like, oh, finally, they they've sought that which they seek from the beginning of the film to find Luke and bring him back, and that's Ray's task. Um, yeah, it's an interesting thing because with this movie, while there's a larger sort of macro story that you know it is you know that cycle that very similar cycle to a new hope with the rebellion the rebellion or resistance you know getting plans getting something to be able to take out the empire or the first orders you know big weapon at the end however with the journey of ray the new force sensitive hero it seems to take her longer to get on her track than Luke did. Um, yeah. You know, she, she, I mean, she even runs at one point during, you know, right before the Battle of Takadana. She's like, no, I don't want to do this. Where Luke, all he wanted to do was, was find some way to get off Tatooine and have an adventure and do something big and exciting. And, you know, Ray's like, I want to go back to Jakku. I don't want to be involved in all of this. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately it ends up being thrust upon her and she, you know, makes peace with it and takes it on. And now she's in front of Luke at the very end of this film going, all right, what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, so, (laughs) yeah, it's a very interesting point. Her, her journey is, is definitely a more hesitant one than either Anakin or Luke took. So, mm, for sure, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Well, um, I, I I wish Katie was still here. I, I wish that that storm didn't take your neighborhood's power out. That's just stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I wish Katie had some amazing way to just like profoundly wrap this all up with a bow, and then you know we just go out on that. But that's kind of where we're going to leave this discussion, folks. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah no and um and it's a great place to pick up when we get to last Jedi, right you know i mean this yeah this character ray um she's going to be seeking where she belongs in this story right yeah um and we're gonna we're gonna pick that up in the next chapter yeah. so um before we go just uh our you know, obviously with it being Thanksgiving this week for those of us in the States, um, I just want to wish everyone listening a very happy Thanksgiving. Um, whether you're with friends, family, whomever, uh, I hope you get to really enjoy the day. Um, enjoy whatever food you might eat, whatever company you might keep. Um, and just know that, uh, we are all very grateful for each of you listening um, whether it's your first time listening to the show or your 360th time listening to the show, uh, please know we are incredibly grateful for all of you who take the time to listen to the show. Um, and I have always am forever grateful of both you, Katie, Jason, and Katie, um, even though Katie's not here to say, oh, thanks, which I miss. <laughs> um, I really am, though. I love talking Star Wars with the two of you. And, uh, yeah, just really grateful that we get to, you know, every week just love on Star Wars. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Carl and Katie, for, you know, doing this every week. And uh, have a very happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And Carl and Katie, have a very, very happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Yeah, I hope I have power. Just kidding, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> um before we wrap up though we got a we got yes, a poll we do that we got to give everybody so uh we may have done this poll a while ago but it's updated uh well we got to update it cuz we got more listeners and it's been a few years so carl what what poll are we giving everybody yeah. uh this episode yeah well you know going with the topic of the show we we want to know who your favorite character is in the force awakens so Again, specifically in the movie, which character are you most ex- – which is the character that captures you, makes you feel alive in the story you're most invested in? So from Force Awakens, who's your favorite character? Yes, indeed. And uh, where can people uh, let us know if they want to weigh in on the the poll or tell us anything else that they want to uh, discuss about Star Wars? Where can they do that, Carl? 
Uh, and of course, we're on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. And you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Katie can be found on Twitter at Pohotdamron. Indeed. And uh, there's a lot of fun shenanigans to go on over there. Anything else we got to say, Carl, before we close down this episode? Uh, no. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This has been episode number 360. There has been an awakening. For Carl and Katie, I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. <laughs>